0: Well good morning everyone, good morning. we seem a little bit light this morning, hopefully people were not uh, having to use boats to get out of their house, but uh, that is a possibility, uh, welcome everyone, we're glad you're here, we're glad you came to worship with us here at Sutherland Springs, uh, I'm not sure what's humming there, but uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, if you guys would like to stand and sing with us, we're going to sing When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, and the words will be up on your screen.
1: When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright, and fair. When the sailors shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. That bright and cloudless morning when the dead and Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to the home beyond the skies and the role is called up yonder I'll be there. When the roll is called up. one more time when the roll, when roll is called up yonder I'll be there. when the roll when the roll is called up yonder, yonder I'll be there. when the roll when roll the roll is called up yonder I'll be there. when the roll, when roll is called up yonder
2: around you there amen i praise the lord for each one of you here this morning it We are a little light, I will say, as we go to the Lord in prayer, there have been a couple of folks who called me this morning and said that they have leaks and things from the storm last night, so we need to make sure to be praying for our brothers and sisters in that aspect as well, amen? But it's good to see you this morning. If it's good to be in God's house, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I think maybe the sun's hiding behind the clouds, it seems like everybody's a little, But we'll change that, right Chris? Y'all going to change that, liven it up somehow? Uh, I got a wink. Good deal. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father God, I just come before you and thank you for this opportunity we have this morning. Again, Lord, thank you for an incredible camp we were able to spend this last week with our our young men and women, our future generation. Lord, thank you for that opportunity. And God, I thank you that we have a place now that is dry and clean and, and ready for us to come together and just worship you, Father. It is a blessing from you. And I just ask your anointing to be upon this church body today. If there is one soul here for whatever reason that has not bowed a knee unto you, if there's someone here today for whatever reason that has chosen to turn and walk away from you, may you change that today. May you make yourself so overwhelmingly known to them that they will make a decision to follow you. May they step from darkness into light. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 As I said, it's good to see everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. It's been a, a great morning with breakfast and a great conversation in Sunday school. and. I know Sherry's to class, obviously, probab- obviously probably, yeah, you like that. It went well, but guys, it's just good to see anybody walk around a second, shake somebody's hand, and just let them know it's good to see them in God's house this morning. One, two, three, four.
1: As I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. And leads me safely through the sinking sand. It is the Christ of Calvary. This would be my prayer, dear Lord, each day to help me do the best I can. For I need thy light to guide me day and night. listen Jesus, hold my hand. And Jesus hold my hand. I need you every hour. Through this build land Protect me by thy power Hear my people plea. Oh Lord,
3: look down on me
1: When I kneel in prayer I hope to meet you there Blessed Jesus, hold my hand Let me travel in the light Divine and I see the blessing away. Keep me that I may be holy, thine, and sing redemption song someday. I will be a soldier brave and true and ever firmly take a stand. As I onward go and daily the full, blessed Jesus, hold my hand. And Jesus, hold my hand, I need
3: thee every hour.
1: This pilgrim land, protect me by thy power, hear my plea, my feeble plea, Oh Lord, dear Lord, look down, on, down me. on me, when I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there, blessed Jesus, hold my hand. When I walk through the valley, dim the water setting of the sun sickly to a place of rest if a crown of life I've won. I have put my faith in thee, dear Lord, and help me reach the golden strand. There's no other friend on whom I can depend. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. And Jesus, hold my hand. I need thee every hour. Through land protect me by Thy power. And hear my people o plea, oh Lord, look on, on me. When I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet You there, blessed Jesus. Hold my as you take your seats, come and join us. Jesus, hold my hand. Jesus, hold my hand. I need You every, every hour, through pilgrim land, protect me by thy power, hear people plea, plea oh Lord, look out on me. When I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there, blessed Jesus, hold my hand. When I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there, blessed Jesus, hold my hand.
2: Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As you may know, several of us were at camp this past week with the little guys, the RAs and the GAs. We had an incredible week. And on the RA side, I know we make a video every day. And Miss Morgan and Brittany, who's not, not here this morning, uh, was working on that throughout the week. And I, we we come together. So she's going to show you just one day of that video. Go ahead, on Morgan.
1: Today we breathe, today we know that we are strong when we are weak Today we trust,
3: we overcome Take every chain that kept us slaves and throw them off
0: Because you suffer from a disease called baby face? Try new and improved RA Camp for your facial hair needs. Hi there, I'm Chris with RA Camp. Eight years of RA Camp has done wonders for my face, but don't take it from me. Here are some others who have reaped the benefits of regular attendance of RA Camp.
4: been doing R.A. Camp for 21 years. R.A. Camp works. Thanks, R.A. Camp. This is my beard after
2: 17 years of R.A. Camp. Thanks, R.A. Camp. R.A. Camp has saved
0: me from baby
2: face. Thanks, R.A. Camp.
0: Side effects include receding hairline, sunburn, unusual hair growth, and dad bod.
2: they had a good time we had a great time this week the girls on the ga side had a great time as well they're going to be sharing with us a little bit later a song i believe um we we have just been blessed all the way around this past week and right here in our own church there was two salvations this past week amen amen so for announcements let me just throw these out there real quick and we'll move on ahead there is no service this uh, thursday for 4th of July that way you can be celebrating wherever you need to celebrate for 4th of July so no dinner service this coming Thursday Uh, no services I got the in staff meeting today staff meeting at one o'clock today I encourage the staff to be able to stay here and and be a part of the staff meeting we got to go over just a few things there also too it was brought to my attention to mention again uh, last week we do not pass a plate in this church we believe that That As I explained to the boys this past week, when we are baptized, God moves into our heart and as an act of obedience, we are then baptized to tell the world a public display, a public profession of what God's done on the inside. We do that of obedience. It's the same thing with tithing, guys. That is between you and the Lord. I would not, I, I don't want that to become an opportunity where someone's trying to shame you or you feel shamed into giving because it should be a joyous thing of your heart between you and the Lord. So for that reason, in the back there are columns. It says prayer and offering columns. You can write your prayer requests on that tear-off sheet. If you're a visitor or would like more information on the church, please write that on that tear-off sheet. Drop that in there or your tithes. You can drop that in there. That is between you and the Lord. It is something we are called to do. It is something of importance. It is how God continues to, to bless you and the church. But again, that's between you and God. So the tithing columns are in the back of the church on your way out or on your way in, or at your convenience, you can utilize those columns back there. Amen. So I'm going to turn it over to Stormy. He's going to come and bring our scripture reading this morning. Come on up, brother. Stormy, let me borrow this this Taz tie, in case you haven't seen it. I'm not the only one with Looney Tunes ties. (laughs) Father God, I do lift up my brother and I just ask you bless him now. As he opens the word for us, may we hear you through him. Bless his willingness and his obedience and sharing your gospel. And God, I just pray you just, just anoint him from on high now as he opens the word in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Thank you. Great video. Was that a great video? Amen. If you'd rather be right here in Sutherland Springs, Texas, in God's house in the nicest coal mine in West Virginia, say amen. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. But Apostle Paul never was in Texas. If he had been, he wouldn't have been content in any of them other states. Yeah, we're, we're special. We got traditions here. You know, everywhere you go in the United States at weddings before the animal, act, rice, uh, animal rights activists, everybody threw rice at weddings. But here in Texas, we threw something else at weddings. Anybody old enough to remember what that was? Old shoes. Yeah, they threw old shoes at weddings. Of course, Sister Wendy and I got married. Brother Stormy's from very humble economic background. Her family ranges from economically stable to very well-to-do. It's kind of embarrassing because her people were throwing old shoes and my people were out there trying them on. Traditions. Uh, we're going to be reading out of Jeremiah, the thirty-fifth chapter, verses five through ten. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine, for Jonadab the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, That we shall drink no wine, neither ye, nor your sons, for ever. Neither shall ye build houses, nor sow seeds, nor plant vineyards, nor have any, but all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab our father, in all that he has charged us, to drink no wine all our days, we, our our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in, neither have we vineyards, nor fields, nor seed. But we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us. When I read that, I said, wow, man, that's a family tradition. And of course, having a lot of country and western music in my background, when I said that's a family tradition, I immediately thought of Hank Williams Jr.'s song, Family Tradition. And then I thought about how diametrically opposed because these people, Jonadab had given godly traditions to his family, and they had followed out these godly traditions. Hank Williams, Sr. had passed down some ungodly traditions to Hank Williams, Jr., who was passing those traditions down to his children. And it made me wonder, what kind of traditions are you and I setting for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. I hope I set traditions for my kids that whether you're alone in your home, all by yourself eating a hungry man dinner out of the microwave, or whether you're in the Tower of America with six of your associates, surrounded by tables full of prestigious people, you bow your head and give thanks to Jehovah Jireh, not only for providing the food, but for providing your ability to eat that food. I hope i set traditions for my family that when worldly wisdom conflicts with the Word of God, they believe Jesus. I hope i set traditions for them that when they have any major decision in their life, whether it be who to marry, which house to buy, which job to take, or which church to align themselves with and entrust their family for their spiritual well-being, I hope they seek the face of Almighty God before they make that decision. I hope we're setting traditions for our children that are godly traditions, and not just the children of our blood, but the children of the blood of Jesus Christ that He set before us. Because if you're fortunate enough to be comfortably setting in Brother and Sister Taggart's class, when you're my age, Chloe and Jacob... And Ryan, the people that age are going to be your pastors, your Sunday school teachers, your deacons, and your church leaders. So I hope we're setting traditions that when you see them passing those traditions down to the next generation, you can be proud that you had a part in instilling those. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Truly it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us to walk in that lighted pathway. Let us set traditions to the generations to come that glorify you, that glorify your kingdom, and that glorify your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. And all the redeemed of the Lord said? Amen.
0: All right, I'm getting curveballs thrown at me right now. Uh, Apparently, we're going to have the girls start worship.
3: What I'd like to do is to show the church how the girls started worship. So if Morgan can pull up the file and the girls can come up, we're going to start our worship the way we started every day at camp. Come on, girls.
4: Let's show them what we did all week.
0: It's our turn to sing. So everybody get up. I want everybody to put your fist above your head. All right. Just kidding. We're going to be singing I Know Whom I Believed. Oh, one other quick announcement. Uh, we've also got about 12 youth, of, uh, junior high and high school age youth, uh, that would like to go to camp but need some sort of monetary scholarship, whether impartial or full. Camp costs $200. So if you're interested in sponsoring a, camper, a youth camper to go to youth camp, in a couple of weeks, uh, you can fill out a uh, little envelope thing. There they are right there. A little envelope thing that says uh, uh, Youth Camp Sponsorship. It's $200 per camper for this camp. So, yeah, yeah. In, anything that you want to put towards Youth Camp, as, as long as it's notated as such, we'll put towards Youth Camp. So thank you guys very much. Anyway, let's sing. I Know Whom I Believed.
1: I know not why God's wondrous grace to me He has made known Nor why unworthy Christ in love Redeemed me for His own But I know that I believe in and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his work brought peace within my that he is able to keep that which i committed unto him is able to keep that which I committed unto Him against that day. I know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me, of weary ways or golden days before His face I see. But I know persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. I know not when my Lord may come that persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day, but I know I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day.
0: Uh, one of the a few favorite songs that Brian Holcomb had. He taught me that song and uh, I just remembered I actually have one of his little capos right here on the end. A little memento from Brian. That was uh, It's a ukulele capo and it's much, much smaller than the normal capos like these. I'm rambling now so I'm going to shut up and we're going to sing a different song. This is, uh, this is No Longer Slaves.
1: <laughs> you unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. Of deliverance From my enemies Till all my fears are gone I'm I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child my mother's womb, you have chosen me, love Love has called my name, and I've been born again into your family, your blood flows through. you oh. A sound that, that saved a wretch like me. And I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind,
3: but now I see. It
1: was grace. was grace that taught My chains are gone. My chains are gone. that freedom. My chains are gone. Church.
2: grace that we have here, that amazing grace that is offered to each and every individual who choose to look to you. God, may thy will be done, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Give God the glory this morning, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think we've already had church, amen? Amen. 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 Nope, whoever said that <laughs> had to be Michelle. <laughs> Are you innocent this time? <laughs> Sorry, you ever hear the boy cried wolf? <laughs> now, we're <at> church. <laughs> now we're in church. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. If you got your Bibles this morning, turn to the Book of John. Turn to the Book of John, John chapter nine. Now, if you've studied the epistles, if you've studied the Gospels rather, you know that John throughout the entire gospel that he wrote tends to equate light is life and that darkness is death he illustrates this quite frequently throughout his his gospel and as people we choose whether we want to live in the light or whether we want to live in the darkness we can choose christ and his glory or we can continue to choose to live as the world tells us to live we can choose light or we can choose darkness we can try to go to church and say we've accepted christ but still continue to choose to live in darkness there is light and there's darkness the theme of the ra camp the boys side this past week the theme of the verse the gist of the theme verse if you will was set your sights on heaven aim for heaven for christ still sits on the throne in heaven and that is what we i thought that would a What an incredible verse for these young people, but it's an incredible verse for all of us. Where do we set our sights? What have we set our sights upon? In other words, where are our eyes? That's what guides us. If our guides, if our eyes are being guided towards heaven, if we choose to focus on heaven every day, if we choose to focus on Christ sitting on the throne throughout our decisions as Stormy shared a moment ago or the songs we just sang about that amazing grace, if we will put our sights on heaven and aim for heaven, we're going to walk in the light. If we are aiming for heaven, then that's the direction that we will be going. However, if we continue to follow in the ways of the world and refuse to follow God, refuse to allow Him to guide us, then we're not aiming for heaven. But Oh, pastor, but I go to church. I, I, I do this at church and I say this at church. I, I periodically go and I even give an extra little bit here and there. Or I, I gave money to the poor one time. You can say all those things, but if you are not focused and aimed at being what God has called you to be, you are missing the mark. You are not headed where God would have you to go. And you are choosing... It doesn't matter how many times you walk into a church, folks. If you're not aiming your life to live and change as Christ has called you to... If you are not on a daily basis seeking what it is in your life that God is is molding you into... Then you are choosing to live in darkness and not the light of Christ. It's one or the other. And, And unfortunately... When we choose to continue to live in the ways of the world, when we continue to choose to walk that path of darkness, we start to alienate godly people and godly blessings from us. Have you ever walked into a room and flipped on a light switch? When the light goes on, darkness don't sit there and battle with the light. Darkness don't sit there and say, I'm going to take over. When the light comes on, darkness flees. When we are living in the light, we're going to be walking towards the light. And if you're choosing to live in, your, in the darkness, then folks, I would submit to you this morning that the light of Christ is going to slowly push you out of the picture of those who truly are walking in the light. For where light abounds, darkness cannot. Light will always drive out darkness. It is always going to push the darkness to side. It is a matter of whether you choose To live in light. It's whether you choose to live in the the light of Christ or if you want to live in the darkness of the world. It is a choice that each one of us individually can make. I was blessed this past Friday morning at 6.30 in the morning to be able to be a part of God's ministry and I was able to go down to the Frio River and we had baptisms in the Frio River this Friday morning. Hallelujah! We had uh, uh, older men and younger men. And we were able to go down there and baptize them in the water. And, and, and guys, it was picturesque. The birds were singing. The, the water was flowing. It was crystal clear. We in four foot of water. And you could see every little rock and every fish. And the, the the sky was just right. It was incredibly picturesque of what Christ would do, I think, when we were proclaiming that message this, that morning. Because you see, when we were performing those baptisms, when those young men and that the, those men were stepping out and proclaiming to the world that they, were, that they had accepted Christ. Folks, they were saying out loud for everyone to hear Friday morning that we have chosen to step out of spiritual darkness and we are proclaiming amongst men that we choose to walk in the light. Hallelujah! Hallelujah for that. They chose, they are choosing, and they were proclaiming to the people that day on the riverbanks we choose to try to the best of our ability to live our life from this point forward showing brotherly love for one another. We choose from this point forward to try to live our life the way God has called us to live our life. We choose from this point forward to focus our sights on the things above. We choose from this point forward to focus where God would have us to focus. Is it going to make us walk contrary to the world sometimes? Absolutely. Is it going to make us be, be ostracized and pushed around sometimes? Maybe. But as long as I'm walking in the light I am walking in the words of my Lord amen John uses the illustration of the the light of day in the darkness of midnight to show the difference to illustrate the difference of of walking for Christ and walking with the world that is a a stark contrast I understand but folks there is to be a contrast in our lives we are not of this world when you have accepted Christ, we are passing through. We are, going, we are setting our sights on heaven. This world is a place that we can minister. This world is a place that he's allowed us to be a part of his ministry. This world is a place that he has called us to go and share the gospel and share brotherly love and help brothers and sisters come to know Christ and help folks get better in their means. But this world is just a, a place that we are transient through, that we are just moving through. If our sights are on heaven... The darkness of this world's not going to last. When we walk into a room, folks, it should be the Shekinah glory of God that people see around us. They should say, man, there is something different. Why? Because the starkness between the light and the dark. When you walk in a room and turn on the light, the lights come on, the darkness dispels. When we as children of God walk into a place, people ought to say, there's something different. My darkness wants to dispel. And it's not because of you. What's in you? And I would say, it's the light of Christ and you can know it too. That's the difference. That's what John was trying to illustrate. This morning in our story, in John chapter 9, we're going to look and light and darkness, both from a, physicality, from a physical realm, but also a spiritual realm. I think it illustrates it very well and it helps us understand why and how things happen and where we tend to go sometimes and how we tend to get stuck in our religious concepts rather than in the godly things in life. But in John chapter 9, starting in verse 1, And he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And he said these things, and he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of shalom which means sin. So he left and he washed and he came back seeing. His neighbors and those who formerly had seen him as a beggar said, isn't this the man who sat begging? Some said he's the one. No, others were saying, but he looks like him. But he kept saying, I am the one. Therefore they asked him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and told me, go to Shalom and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight where is he they asked i don't know he said they brought the man on uh, brought the man who used to be blind to the pharisees the day that jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a sabbath so again the pharisees asked him how he received his sight he put mud on my eyes he told them and i washed and i can see therefore some of the pharisees said this man is not from god for he doesn't keep the sabbath but others were saying how can a sinful man perform such signs and there was division amongst them And again they asked the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He's a prophet, he said. And the Jews did not believe this about him, that he was blind and received sight, until they summoned his parents of the one who had received his sight. And they asked them, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? And how then does he now see? We know this is our son and that he was born blind, his parents answered but we don't know how he now sees and we don't know who opened his eyes ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself his parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him as Messiah he would be banned from the synagogue this is why his parents said he's of age, ask him so a second time they summoned the man who had been blind and told him give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner and he answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. Then they asked him, what did you do to, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I already told you, he said, and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? They ridiculed him. You're the man's disciple, but we're Moses' disciple. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man... We don't know where he's from. This is an amazing thing, the man told them. You don't know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do these things. You were born entirely in sin, they replied. And are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out, and when Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, he found him and asked, "Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him?" He asked. And Jesus answered, "You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord," he said, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, "I came into this world for judgment, in order that those excuse me, I came into this world for judgment, in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things, and they asked him, we aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. Now, this is a a lengthy passage of Scripture. But it's a story that I think we need to to grab a hold of. We can see both light and darkness at work here. We, We can see the story begins... When Jesus comes into the picture and he finds this blind man, this man that, that cannot see, this man that hasn't been able to see since birth, this man who's sitting on the side of the road. He's been without sight his entire life, his whole life. His eyes have been dead ever since he came into this world. And because of that, he, he has been regulate, re- regulated to sit on the sides of the road and just beg, reduced to, to begging people for a sustenance to be able to survive. He can't work for himself. He doesn't know what to do. He can't see, he can't function, and therefore he sits on the side of the road his entire life just begging alms, begging for people to take care of him. Through no fault of his own, through no no consequences of anything that he has done, he is in darkness, his darkness. It wasn't something he chose. It wasn't something he did that caused it to happen. He sits on the side of the road begging his sustenance and it was for—it it was just his darkness. His eyes had been sealed. He had not seen his entire life. It just simply is. He's locked in that darkness he cannot see. But then we also see a distinction between religious people and godly people in this story. Because you see the disciples, when they walked up onto this picture, they didn't see the predicament that way. They didn't see it as it just is they didn't see it as he's just th- th- uh, born that way they're saying there's got to be some reason the disciples come together and first their first thing is when they see this blind man on the side of the road they want to have a, a theological discussion about it they want to sit and talk about it with Jesus now I don't believe that's going to do that man any good whatsoever amen but they're looking at him and saying hmm let's have a theological discussion about why this man can't see Let's talk about whose fault it is. They just want to get all religious and holier than thou and and make a little semicircle around him and discuss him. And what the discussion really amounts to is a blame game. They start thinking, well, is it his fault? Is it his parents' fault? It's got to be somebody's fault that he's blind. Now, before we do the same thing and get self-righteous by pointing our fingers at the apostles, we need to stop and think, oftentimes we do the same thing. In the midst of our tragedies, in the midst of the things that befalls us, we tend to want to play that blame game as well. In the midst of whatever's going on around us, whether it's an entire nation that something's happening or something much more intensely personal, whether it's an illness, a disease, a sickness of some sort, we want to blame someone. We want to blame something. We want to find somewhere to place blame for what's going on in our life. We want to point a finger and say what's his fault or it's her fault or it's that instrument's fault or it's that instrument's fault it's got to be somebody's fault for this to have happened you know one i teach riflery i I, I, that is my my place there at at r.a camp and one of the things i make sure to drive home to every I, i do r.a's nga's i have girls all morning boys all evening and let me just say for the first time in seven years I I have a girl every year, at least one, shoot a perfect score. I finally had a boy shoot a perfect score this year. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you've ever worked with boys and girls, girls listen, boys just want to shoot something. But but this time, I actually had one that was listening. But anyway, one of the things I make sure to drive home, before we ever go out on the range, I, I talk about safety and everything, obviously, and explain the safety procedures and everything about the firearm, But one of the things I always point out is that the fact that if they miss that bullseye, if they miss the target where they wanted to hit it, they can't blame their mama. They can't blame their counselor. They can't even blame the firearm. They have to stop and take responsibility. If you missed, you messed up. That you did not aim correctly. That if you really want to change where you are aiming and where you're hitting that target you have to take responsibility for your action and correct yourself on paper or you're never going to get better. If you continue to make excuses, well, the firearm is this or the ammo is that or my mama didn't feed me yesterday or whatever it may be, as long as you make excuses, you're never going to get better at whatever it is that God's calling you to do. And we share that on that rifle range. And guys, I would submit to you that's the same thing in life as well. When we are sitting in life as this man was and the people come up and we come up and we want to get all religious and and holier than thou and just start playing this blame game and start laying it all out there. It must be this person's fault or that person's fault. We're not accepting responsibility nor are we teaching them to do so. Praise God that Jesus did not play a blame game. Amen? Jesus was sent into this world to, to do the works of God. And rather than carry on this conversation, rather than get into the blaming stuff, he gets right down to the the holy business of doing something about this man's condition. He gets right down, he tells them, guys, it was no fault of his own. It was so that God could be glorified. And how is God going to be glorified? When we do something to intercede and share Christ with this man. When I share the gospel, when I share the miraculous workings of God with him, he didn't get self-righteous, he didn't get religious, he acted godly. He did something that could change the picture. Now, note for you that up to this point, the blind man has said nothing. He hasn't said anything in this story. He didn't ask for anything. He hasn't done anything. We don't know if he believed that Jesus could heal his eyes or not. We don't know if he even knew who Jesus ever was. We don't know if he ever even heard the name before. Jesus walks into the picture and he that. there's a man that needs some godly attention and he just started about doing something good. In fact, the rest of this story flows from grace. The rest of this story is a testament to who God is. The rest of this story is a pure gift to this blind man given by Christ. All that happens that brings him out of the darkness is a gift of our Lord and Savior touching on Him. Now, interestingly, the gift begins when Jesus spits into the dirt. Now, you say, well, what does that mean? That means when Jesus put a little of Himself into that earth and mixed that spit and dirt together and made mud and smeared it on that man's eyes, the miracle started. Folks... I would submit to you this morning that whatever it is you're going through and whatever it is you may go through, it is Christ who comes in. And isn't it awesome that God puts a little bit of himself in every single one of us as well. With this man, he put a little bit of himself into that dirt and he rubbed that dirt on that man's face and said, here's a little bit of myself. I'm going to put myself on your eyes. The man who told Nicodemus that one had to be born again from the water and the spirit, the man who told the woman at the well that I have water for you that will never go dry, that you will never thirst, the man who spit in the mud and mixed it all together rubs it on his eyes and then tells him, now go and wash yourself in the spring. In other words, God puts a little bit of himself upon this man. And then he t- gives him a command to go and do. Now clearly the man hears, he hears this, this, this thing that Jesus tells him to do. And it's a command that's given to him. And he is sitting here with a dirty, muddy face. He, I don't, I'm not sure still that he knows that he could see. He just hears a man saying, you got mud all over your face now. Go wash. And he could make a choice then. He could say, No, I'm not going to listen. But still, instead, he says, okay, I'll go do what you say. Jesus put a little bit of himself on the man, and the man then hears the command, go and do. He went and he did, and what happens? He comes out of the water, and he can see. Now, you and I, when we accept Christ, we have a little bit of Christ put in us. We are washed, actually, by the blood of the Lamb. And then he tells us to go and do. And oftentimes, we sit and argue and wonder why nothing's happening. This man didn't question. He went and he washed. And for no other reason than just to get the mud off his face. But he went and he did what God told him to do. And when he goes to that pool that's fed by that spring and washes himself, he comes up and he has sight for the very first time. And he realizes this man who rubbed dirt in my eyes, this man who told me what to do, this man who told me to go and wash, this man who just came out of nowhere has given me back my sight. He who was blind now, who is blind all his life, can see. And at that point, people should say, praise God. Hallelujah. This is awesome. And that would be a good enough place to end the story. You could say that is a miraculous healing. Jesus cures the blind man. But praise God, the story doesn't end there. The story continues. It didn't come to stop with this amazing miracle because that's not really the point of the story, though that is pretty incredible right there. I would say if, if I knew that Jesus walked up and rubbed mud on my face and all of a sudden I can see things a whole lot clearer than I could before, that would be enough right there for me to be joyous. I could say hallelujah. But the issue here in this story wasn't so much whether or not his eyes were healed, they were. He went from physical darkness to light. He went from not seeing anything that he could see. That's incredible. But it's not also about whether we have twenty-twenty vision today. The story here is really, did he truly leave darkness behind to live in the light of life, or did he just get his eyes cured? That's the real question, and that still remains to be seen. Now, you would think that somebody, somewhere, somehow, would celebrate this man's miracle. If you knew somebody that their entire life they were blind... Their entire life they had to beg. Their entire life they had been beaten down because of blindness. And, one, and the next day they come to me, I can see. Wouldn't you rejoice? I think I would rejoice whether I knew them or not. I would just say, hallelujah, brother. A man who once was blind can now see. Oh, that should be great, but yet nobody rejoices here. In fact, it turns out that certain religious leaders aren't happy at all. What do you mean you can see? Oh, You mean God worked on a Sunday? Oh, heaven forbid! God can't work on a Sunday. God can't work on a Sabbath. How dare you say these things? In fact, they got very frustrated. They were upset. They can't believe that it's even the same guy. No, you're you're a replacement. Then they say, well, I want to know how. I want to know who. I want to know why. Why would God pick you out? Why would God heal your eyes? Why would He do these things for you, especially on the Sabbath? And instead of rejoicing with him, instead of, of, of taking this man who now has a testimony that no one can deny, instead of listening to his testimony, the, the man who was born blind is questioned and questioned again. And his parents are brought in. And they are questioned. And then he is questioned again. Mind you, this man has never really seen Jesus. If you think about it, God, he was blind when God rubbed the mud on his eyes. He went and washes the mud off there in the spring. Jesus isn't there. All he has done is felt the wet, muddy fingers of Jesus touch his face. He hasn't seen him. He hasn't physically laid eyes on him. He doesn't know what he looks like. He doesn't know who Jesus is. All he has is a testimony is that this man, spit in the mud and rubbed my eyes, gave me a little bit of himself, and I can see. But as they question him, Little by little, as the questioning continues, the understanding of Jesus gets deeper, and deeper by deeper, richer by richer, his insight grows, and he realizes this Jesus is more than just a man. The one who touched me is more than just somebody. It's making all these religious people too upset. First they ask him, who opened your eyes? He says, Jesus, the the man who who made mud. But when they ask him again, who is Jesus? He says, he's a prophet, When they ask him a third time, who's Jesus? He bears witness, well, as as a man has been sent here and, and no one has ever been able to heal blindness before, this man must be the man who is of God, as he said he was. Little by little, as he watches the questioning, little by little, as the people push away his testimony, he clung to that testimony. He knew what God had done for him. And he knew that the, the people may be able to twist words and twist that, but no one could steal his testimony. So he clung to that testimony. And the more he clung to that testimony and the religious people didn't like it, the more he realized, this man is different. This man is, is who is greater than anyone else. And he bears witness of Jesus. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? How did he do it? The less the authorities wanted to listen to it, the more they were going, la, 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 basically... And you know, I can see him throwing a little fit like a little two-year-old. The more he grabbed a hold of who Jesus was. And despite what the authorities could see with their own two eyes, even though they know that this man who was born blind, who could never have seen, even though they know that the testimony is real, they decided to trade the truth for a lie. They decided that, that they convinced themselves that this miracle just can't happen even though it was so obvious right there in front of them they said this jesus he's absolutely not of god no way no how so they take the man and they throw him out of the church and for a brief moment this man with new sight this man who was born blind but now he can see despite the miraculous cure is alone he's thrown out of the church he's thrown out from all those who who he ever knew he's thrown out of the church and he's thinking all this because I have a testimony. The religious people don't like me because God touched me. His witness, his truth, his miracle had been rejected. And he said, I can see. And yet the religious people won't accept that Jesus is who touched me. But I can't let this go. In their eyes, it amounted to nothing. In his eyes, he was like, thank you. I went from darkness into light. It doesn't even look like his parents had much to do with him. It says that they were afraid because the Jews said that if you call Jesus a a Messiah, you'll be thrown from the church as well. So his parents even say, he's of age. Don't put me with him. So he's out all alone, basically, thrown out there. Jesus hears about this. He goes looking for this man. In his, 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 his grace and his love, Jesus goes and finds this man who has this testimony. This man who... I, I can imagine sobbing with those fresh new eyes because he's just lost all his friends. He's stepped out into a new beginning. He's got sight, but I've lost everyone else. And for the first time, this man who is born blind will see Jesus. For Jesus walks up and he sees Jesus with his own eyes, but then he sees him with his heart. You see, he's never seen Jesus before. He's not sure who Jesus is. That, this man walks up to him And he's looking at him, and he doesn't know what's going on. But a moment later, he not only sees Jesus, he hears Jesus. And he hears Jesus say that the Son of Man, that he is the Son of Man, that he is the Son of God. And he realizes, I knew you had to be to touch me in such a powerful way. I knew that it had to be so. But now I hear it from your own mouth, and I surrender all the man who was born blind who got physical sight went from the spiritual darkness into spiritual light there was a process in there but he who did, was in that utter darkness now has the light of Christ and it was because Christ came in and gave a piece of himself and that Christ came in and said this is what I want you to do this is the testimony that you have and he clung to that giving himself completely to Jesus he fell down and he worshipped him folks it didn't happen instantly it wasn't immediate it didn't happen when when god cured his blindness but the more he was questioned the more he was pushed into that testimony the more he realized it had to have been god who gave him back his sight the more he experienced the light of grace and of truth the more he stood in the presence of jesus the more he realized that jesus is who he said he is that he is the son of god that he is the one who created all things that he is the one that can heal his eyes and folks i would share with you this morning that the darkness that tends to encapsulate us cannot stand in the presence of light darkness cannot come in and never put out the light of jesus christ the darkness of the cross could not do it the darkness of death could not do it the darkness of this world that tries so hard cannot put out the light of life and this, dark, this, this blind beggar, he would testify for that. Because now he stands. If Consider this right now. He stands in the presence of our Lord and Savior still to this day. Why? Because he chose not to go with the darkness of the world. He chose to be thrown out of the darkness of the world. He chose to go to the feet of Jesus and say, thank you, Lord. Because Jesus stepped into the picture and he allowed that light to touch a blind man, to touch his blind beggar, and then he stopped and did something about it. He gave a piece of himself. He applied himself to this man, told this man to obey. This man did what the Lord told him to do. He got his sight back physically and then spiritually. The light of Christ shone upon him. That light that cleanses and heals, that light that, of love and grace that seeks out the rejected and the abandoned. touched that religious beggar and praise God, he'll touch us as well. You may say, but I'm not on the side of the road. I wasn't born blind. I'm not begging for my sustenance. But folks, I would share with you this morning that we are in darkness if we haven't accepted Christ. And we are blind and begging on the side of that spiritual road. But Christ has already given us a part of himself. If we will just accept it and obey and follow through with the baptism and tell others who he is and hold to that testimony, then we will spiritually see and stand in the light of Christ. This man here, I can say yes, absolutely, positively, yes. He walks in the light of life today because of his testimony. Not because he was healed, but because of his testimony in Christ. All along the way, this man who was blind, but now can see, had a journey. The apostles wanted to blame somebody. No, that was just part of the journey. When he got to the religious leaders, they wanted to to tear apart his testimony. That was still just part of the journey. And when Christ revealed himself, he understood him for who he was and he accepted him. Folks, I share this for this reason. You may be in a part of the journey where you're saying, I don't understand. Why isn't God here with me right now? Why, where is God in the midst of these things? Maybe you haven't accepted him yet and you're thinking, I've lived too rough a life. I, there's no way God can cleanse me from where I am. Or maybe you've accepted him and... And you keep on getting deeper and deeper in the trials of this world and getting caught into the darkness of this world. Folks, that's when we got to stop and set our sights on heaven. For when we put our sights on heaven and realize the light of Christ, the darkness will flee. This man went from sight to insight. He went from blind to sight and from sight to insight. He realized this is a spiritual thing. He went from darkness to light, from life as a beggar to a life with Christ. And he realized, I have been on a journey all this time. The apostles learned here. It wasn't his mama. It wasn't himself. He's on a journey to glorify God. And in that journey, God steps in and says, here I am. God says, I'm going to put a piece of myself. You go wash in the water and you're going to see. And then you're going to come back and you're going to have this spiritual blessing upon you. Until he fell before the light of the world and worshiped at Jesus' feet, he was a lost character. Lost in the darkness. I think that we do the same. Oftentimes, if we don't know Christ, you may try to put on a facade, but you're still struggling in the darkness. You're still stumbling over things. And maybe you've accepted Christ but you're still choosing to go back to the darkness the question i would submit to you this morning is do you live in the light and i'm not asking can you see with your eyes do you live in that spiritual light do you speak with grace and mercy to your brothers and sisters in christ do you speak with grace and mercy to those whom god brings across your pathway do you share the gospel message or do you just try to play a blame game with others Do you reach out and clothe the unclothed? Do you give a drink of water to the thirsty? Do you truly pray for one another? Or are you still adhering to darkness? Because folks, I would tell you this morning, there is a darkness that's so easy to fall into that can suffocate the life right out of you. There are so many things that can pull us in, whether it be pride, anger, greed, lust, jealousy, apathy, fear, hate. There's so many things in Satan's toolbox that can pull us into the darkness. But folks, I would submit to you this morning that it doesn't matter... What kind of darkness it is. It doesn't matter what kind of shadow it is. It doesn't matter how long it's been in your life. It doesn't matter if it's taken your whole life, such as this man that was born blind. No matter how dark the darkness is and how long it's been there, praise God, we can make a change. And we can make a change because the light of Christ is greater than anything that the devil has in his pocketbook. But you have to make a choice. You have to make a decision. You can be a part of Christ's church and come and visit once in a while and have religious discussions about that blind beggar. Or you can be the man who comes and says, let me tell you about Christ and give you a little bit of myself. Or maybe you're, you are that blind beggar this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize that I have been this way since birth. I can't change I'm a mean, honorary person. I'm a gossip. I'm a thief. I'm lustful. I, I have all these different sins in my life. It's been there since birth. Now you can blame everybody else or you can take responsibility for it right now and say this is who I am. As long as you blame others, you're never going to grow. You're never going to change. Well, if he hadn't have done this or if she hadn't have done that... Or if this, or if that, or if this, as long as you play that blame game, you're never, ever going to get better. You're never going to be changed for Christ, nor will you be used in a great way. But if you will stop right now and say, I take ownership, this is who I am. I am a blind beggar, been this way since birth. And you allow God to give a piece of himself to you and you obey and accept him and follow through with that baptism and and proclaim that gospel message to the world, your sights will be set on heaven and you will be able, doesn't matter what religious people say, they can say, oh, you're still, you're that old thief. You're that old gossip. You're that backstabber. Leopard can't change his spots. You're the same as you've always been. They can talk all they want to. God gave you a testimony. And you can hold to that testimony. And say, Lord, I set my sights on you because this dark world keeps trying to pull me down, but the light of Christ abides. Within and without. Where are you this morning? Isn't it great that our God is everlasting to everlasting? My God who knelt on that dusty road beside that beggar kneels beside you in the chair that you're sitting in right now. And he says, my son, my daughter, you will put your faith in me. You will put your trust in me. It doesn't matter how dark the world is. It doesn't matter how bad the people are around you. It doesn't even matter that the religious people may not believe you. You put your faith in me, and you and I will change the world. You want change in your life? That's what we talked about last week you want God to be able to bring that light that pushes out the darkness? Then all you have to do is quit blaming others and put yourself in his hands and say, God, here I am. And when people say, how did this happen to you? It was Jesus, the man who made mud. No, really, how did this happen to you? I I think he's a prophet. Oh, yeah, okay, whatever. How did this, what changed your life? You know? Because Jesus is the Son of God. And He died on a cross for me because the wages of sin is death and and I couldn't do it. But He chose to give a part of Himself on the hill of Calvary and He died on that cross and shed His blood so that I could change. So that I could be washed and cleansed and not only that, be made into, into a new creation by God. And when people will still say, well, I just have a hard time believing that. I'm sorry you have a hard time, but here's my testimony. I was blind, but now I see. And that can never be taken from me. Whatever your testimony is, don't allow Satan to tell you that it's not worthy. And if you don't have one this morning, and you're saying, I, I want to know this Jesus he's still just as powerful today as he was on the side of that dusty road. And he's still willing to kneel and rub your eyes. He's still willing to wash you and cleanse you. He said, anyone who believes I am the Son of God and I rose again on the third day, so shall they be saved. Where are you this morning? I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. want to ask the praise team to come and if you can and want to stand i'm going to ask you to stand this morning if you want to sit that's fine if you want to get on your knees in prayer this altar is open i was talking to a pastor this week who said that their church hasn't had an altar call in the last 10 years and it broke my heart because guys i'm going to submit to you this morning that any time God's doors are open, his altar is there. And even if you're at home, your bed can become your altar. Always go before the Lord. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray this morning that you'll make that choice, you'll make that decision before it's too late. If you do know him today and you realize, I, I've, I've got things I need to get rid of, Let's leave it at the altar. Father God, I come before you right now and I just lift up this service and thank you that just as you came and and touched that blind beggar that day, just as the disciples wanted to have a theological discussion about it, you chose not. You chose to give of yourself. You chose to reach down into the dirt and make mud. Those godly hands, those hands that could have just spoke the angels you could have just spoke things into existence but you wanted to show that you were not above getting dirty that you want to get down in there with him and apply yourself to him so that he could have a testimony or help us to see that the life that we're in will be used by you for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose god i pray your will to be done today If there's someone that needs to walk this aisle, maybe they need to accept you as their Lord and Savior for the first time. Maybe they just need prayer. Maybe you can touch them right where they're at. But I pray that when we leave here today, we will all know that you are Lord of Lords, King of Kings. God, I pray your will to be done in this time of of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If God's telling you to sing, sing. If he's telling you to pray, pray. If he's telling you to walk this aisle, walk this aisle. Maybe he's telling you to go grab a brother or sister and just pray with them. You know, it's okay to get off our hands. Sometimes I think we leave bru- finger bruises on our bottoms because we sit on them so hard. Let the Spirit of God go. Even a chicken leaves an egg when it sits. Now let's move a little bit. Let's do something. Let the Lord use you in Jesus' name.
1: We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, the greatness of His mercy and love at the feet Fall. Oh.
2: He cares for each one of us. Amen? Amen? I praise the Lord for each one of you here this morning. Miss Maggie, one of our survivors, just came down, and she said, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I know Him, and I believe in Him, and I put all my faith in Him. But I just don't know if I've made enough testimony. I want everybody to know that I love Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The very fact she walked up here so well says that we serve a mighty, miraculous God. Amen. Hallelujah. Guys, this morning I pray that if God's speaking to you and working in your life, cling to Him. Hold to Him. And if the religious people try to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb now, and some, some Baptists here may really want to run out the front door. I'm not going to share my whole testimony, but let's just say there's a part in my testimony where I tell people, I feel as though and I believe I heard an audible voice of the Lord. And I have been told, oh, that wasn't of God. It can't happen in this day and time. Well, you can say what you want. But I'm going to tell you I heard an audible voice of the Lord. And nobody can take that away from me. And that was when I said right then, I'm going to change my life. And things changed that night. Folks, God can work miraculous things. And the devil's going to do everything he can to pull you away. And to pull you down and make you doubt what just happened. But you cling to your testimony. You stand for the Lord. And you proudly proclaim his righteousness. When I say proudly, I mean in a godly way. But you proclaim proclaim the gospel of Christ wherever you go. And the light of Christ will expel the darkness. And you can go forth and know that you know that you know that you are a son of the king. Amen? Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up, guys. Keep, keep just living for Christ. And if you're that blind beggar on the side of the road, folks, I'm telling you, my God wants to reach out to you. Seek, seek his face. Seek his heart. Because his hand is extended. All you have to do is grab it. Amen? Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up in all that you say and do. And guys, no matter what, no matter what, my God's still large and in charge and he's still sitting on the throne. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for each one of you guys. Uh, And guys, thank you. Thank you for coming and being a part of what the Lord's called you to do. Amen? Pastor, would you close us in prayer this morning? Do you mind? Amen.
4: That you have brought us through, Lord, we say thank you.
2: Hallelujah.
4: Father, everyone within these walls, go with them. Keep your other hand of love and peace around us, Father. That no form of danger may come around us, Father. That you are always in the midst, hmm. and Lord, always be our guiding light. Hallelujah. That when we leave this place, that they don't see us, but they see you within us. That we make you a blessing to somebody else in this land change somebody's heart, turn them back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All
1: right, Jesus, hold my hand. One, two, three, four. As I travel through this pilgrim land There is a friend who walks with me Leads me safely through the sinking sand It is the Christ of Calvary This would be my prayer, dear Lord Each day to help me do the best I can For I need thy life to God today day and night Blessed Jesus, hold my hand and Jesus Jesus, hold my hand, I need thee every hour, through this pilgrim land, protect me by thy power, hear my feeble plea, oh Lord, look down on me, when I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there, blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Let me travel in the light divine, that I may see the blessed way. Keep me that I may be holy, died, and sing redemption songs someday. I will be a soldier, brave and true, and ever firmly take a stand. As I onward go and daily meet the foe, blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Hold my hand, I need you every hour. Through this pilgrim land, protect me by thy power. Hear my people plead. Oh Lord, dear Lord down on me. When I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand the valley and toward the setting of the sun. Lead me safely to a place of rest if a crown of life I've won. I have put my faith in thee, dear Lord, and help me reach the golden strand.
3: There's no other
1: friend on whom I can depend. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Every hour, Ooh, Jesus, this, pilgrim this pilgrim land? Protect me thy, by Thy power. power. Hear my, plea, my feeble, plea. feeble plea, oh Lord.
3: Dear Lord look out on, on me
1: when I need. I, I hope kneel to meet you there, blessed
0: Jesus.
1: Jesus oh my hand.
0: Just the instruments.
1: Go, Jesus, Jesus, hold my hand. I need the every hour through this pilgrim land. Protect me by Thy power. Hear my people please. Oh Lord, Lord, look down on me. When I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet You there, blessed Jesus. Hold my When I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand.